You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I am your host, Steph, and today it's a beautiful Thursday morning. It's actually 7.30 in the morning for most of you guys probably listening Pacific Time uh, and Apologies for that, because usually I do my 49ers offense preview episodes on Wednesday afternoons, Wednesday evenings. Wasn't able to do that. Wednesday was kind of crazy, so we're doing it Thursday, and today I have a triple header, okay? We're starting with this one, the 49ers offense preview. Then I'm previewing 49ers Eagles with uh, Chase Sr. He covers both the 49ers and Eagles for chat sports, so we're going to talk about that later this afternoon. And then finally, Grant Cohn, um, also later this afternoon, we'll be talking about what can we expect from Kyle Shanahan in Sunday's game. All right, guys. Well, first, let's talk about some 49ers news, all right? We got some news that uh, a couple of 49ers are finalists for a couple of awards here. So as far as the Offensive Rookie of the Year, Brock Purdy has been named a finalist for that. Um, I mean, with how he's playing, it's not much of a surprise. I know he hasn't played the full season, but I think just given the fact that he's what he's done in this amount of time, he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. So we like that. Um, defensive player of the year. Obviously, Nick Bosa is a finalist for that. So congrats to Nick Bosa. Also, we have uh, comeback player of the year. Christian McCaffrey is in the running for that. He's a finalist. Uh, George Kittle, he's a finalist for the NFL's Salute to Service Award. I believe that's it. I don't think there's any other uh, finalists, unless I'm missing someone. But uh, you guys let me know in the comments if I did. All right. Another bit of news. We're asking about Charles Omenihue, right? What's going to happen with him? given the fact that just a few days ago he was arrested for a domestic violence incident in the South Bay. What we do know, Kyle Shanahan shed a little more light on, I guess, the the team's thought process through all of this. He said they're going to let the legal process play out, and uh, he's, on, he's on track to play on Sunday. Of course, he does also have an oblique injury. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but... Yeah, it seems like Charles Menahue is going to give it a go. So I'm just going to make a small assumption here that maybe the 49ers know something, know a little bit more than, you know, we the public would know on this incident. And so they feel comfortable having him out there um, on Sunday playing regardless of all of this. So that's one piece of news. All right, let's talk about the practice report. And of course, they haven't practiced yet today. So we're going to go... with the Wednesday practice report yesterday's, right? So as far as the do not practice, Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, Christian McCaffrey, but don't be alarmed. He's dealing with a calf, little, uh, you know, probably just some management control. Same with Elijah Mitchell dealing with a groin injury. Wouldn't worry too much about that. Kyle Shanahan expects both of those players to be available. And then Trent Williams, We never worry about Trent Williams not practicing on Wednesday because it usually is a rest day for him. And then as far as the limited players go, Dio Samuel, he's dealing with an ankle injury. So the 49ers, you know, just being cautious about that. Uh, First, he was 
he was going to be listed as a do not practice, but he was limited. And if you saw videos of him out there um, practicing, he was in good spirits. He was dancing, you know, all this. So I think Debo is going to be just fine for Sunday. And then, of course, Charles Omenahue dealing with that oblique injury. He missed um, part of that game on Sunday with it. Uh, Omenahue was limited in practice yesterday, which would seem to indicate that he will – be good to go for Sunday, but of course, something to keep an eye on throughout the week. Ambry Thomas, he's been do not practice for weeks now, I feel like. So for him to be on the limited side is a great positive thing. And uh, Ambry Thomas dealing with an ankle injury, but maybe he'll uh, he'll be back soon. Of course, he's just a backup. So at this point, um, hopefully won't need him, right? Because then it would mean someone ahead of him is hurt. All right, let's talk about the... Eagles defense, all right? Let's get into this preview. Eagles defense, really good, right? Like, really good. And let's look at what they did throughout this season. And, of course, these rankings also take into account what they've done in the postseason. So they are first in total yards allowed per game, first in yards per completion allowed, first in sack percentage. This one is huge. Not only are they first in sack percentage, the team that is like second, they're like in the 8%. All right. That's the next best sack percentage, 8%. The Eagles are at 11.4% in sack percentage. So that's just an incredible rate that they're getting sacks. Very, very productive defensive line in this Eagles group. They are fourth in turnover margin per game, uh, sixth in points allowed per game. Seventh in takeaways per game, eighth in first downs allowed per game, eighth in opponent average time of possession, eleventh in touchdowns allowed per game, eleventh in red zone scoring percentage allowed, twelfth in opponent completion percentage, twelfth in third down conversion percentage allowed. And here's where they get like in the average below average range, all right? Check these out. 16th in rushing yards allowed per game. They allow an average of 121.4 rushing yards per game. And they are 24th in average rushing yards per carry, 4.7 average rushing yards per carry. Now, what's worked so well for them is the fact that teams, even if the run is working, they tend to fall behind early. So they're not even able to really get gashed by the run too much because you, they're, they're kind of forcing teams to have to pass because they get down early. Uh, I'm expecting this game to be close. Uh, and, you know, we've seen the Eagles playing some other close games. All right. So, you know, they've played against the Cowboys as well. So I would say that maybe the 49ers are a team that will possibly have the opportunity to run a little bit more against this Eagles defense, all right? Because everything else, it's pretty tough sledding, as you see here. They're so good in so many categories. Look, Let's look at the battle of the trenches here. This is what the 49ers offensive line is going to be up against this week. And, yeah, I will point out that there are some defensive categories that the Cowboys were better in than the Eagles, However, there's some that the Eagles are now better than the Cowboys. One of those being the sack percentage, the, the amount of sacks they're getting because it's 
Also, another thing, it's not just coming from one player on this defensive line. They have so many players on this defensive line that have contributed to these sacks. And let's talk about it. Josh Sweat, for example, he has 15 sacks this season, including the postseason. And all of these numbers include the postseason, by the way. Uh, Javon Hargraves, 11 sacks this season. Linval Joseph, he has not started all season. He's been a starter since week 11. He was a late signing for the Eagles, a, a mid, mid-season signing for them. Uh, he has eight stops, though, in that span. So he's a, he's a bit of a force as well, even though he doesn't have as many sacks, of course. And he's part of a rotation uh, with Suh, who they also signed, um, you know, middle of the season. And we have Fletcher Cox, nine sacks this season. Fletcher Cox, I feel like he's been on the Eagles forever. Um, and he kind of has, almost like a decade or something like that. So he, he's just a fixture on this defensive line, as he has been for quite some time. Nine sacks this season. Uh, but keep in mind, he's he's kind of on the older side, right? So uh, still productive with, with his nine sacks. Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick is the... Probably the biggest threat of all. All of these guys are threats, but Hassan Reddick is on another level. He is on, he's like their Micah Parsons, if as far as production goes, if you want to look at it like that. Or here, he's their Nick Bosa as far as production goes, if you want to look at it like that. Hassan Reddick, 19 sacks this season, including postseason. That is crazy i mean both of their edges having 15 sacks or more is uh pretty crazy because most oftentimes defensive lines it'll just be their pass rushers that and may usually just one that will have most of the sacks right but all of these guys have been able to share the wealth when it comes to it and that has contributed to that sack percentage that i was talking about about that 11% sack percentage. So more on the Eagles defensive line. They lead the league in tackles for loss as well. So it isn't just getting sacks, but as far as, you know, run plays and anything you're, you're doing out of the backfield, they're going to get to it, you know, so very disruptive there. And four of their five starting defensive linemen are in PFF's top 50 in pass rush win rate. All right, so keep that in mind. Another reason why their sack percentage is so high, Josh Sweat and Milton Williams in the top 50 in run stop rate. Uh, so those are guys to keep in mind for their run defense. And, of course, the Eagles defense, similar to the 49ers in that they like to rotate guys to keep their guys fresh. So they have a really big rotation going. It includes uh, Nemo Kong Sa. Uh, so, uh, Milton Williams, Jordan Davis. Um, I mean, all of these guys, very talented. So obviously the Eagles defense is going to be a bit of a test. Now we know that the Cowboys defensive line was also good. We know also that it's not as good as the Eagles defensive line, but how did the 49ers offensive line do against the Cowboys last week? Well, we know that the Cowboys got two sacks on uh Brock Purdy last week at least one of them I know was not on any of the offensive linemen uh Debo Samuel was I think it was Demarcus Lawrence he was uh he had Demarcus Lawrence blocked and then he disengaged because he was gonna go run his route uh and yeah 
Demarcus Lawrence is who ended up getting that sack after that. So you can say Debo Samuel allowed that sack. There wasn't really an offensive lineman on him that time. All right. And as far as the other sack goes, uh, I didn't haven't gotten the chance to check out the all 22. So I'll have to check that out. But it could have been a similar situation because PFF did not chart any of the offensive linemen with a sack allowed. So it could have been a mistake on their part, but um, that, that happens. But let's see. Let's see how they did against the Cowboys last week. Well, I would say the, the most glaring issue here is Mike McGlinchey, right? He did struggle. We knew he would struggle against uh, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Very tough matchup for McGlinchey. Uh, we all got that screenshot of him literally in midair as Micah Parsons had him, threw him to the ground. Uh, Mike McGlinchey gave up five pressures, five hurries. Um, so obviously the biggest uh, red flag there for the 49ers offensive line. He didn't give up any sacks, uh, but this week isn't going to get any easier for Mike. So uh, something to keep an eye on this week. But overall... Overall, the offensive line, I thought, did a good job against the Cowboys. Um, and so, yes, the Eagles are going to be, you know, just a little that much better than the Cowboys' defensive line. So we could see that uh, take a turn a bit in this game. But I was encouraged. I will say that. I was encouraged by how the offensive line performed against the Cowboys overall. Now. Let's talk about these position groups, all right? So the Eagles' defense against tight ends. Tight ends have averaged 6.2 targets, 4.1 catches, and about 40 yards against the Eagles' defense this season. They've only allowed three touchdowns to tight ends this season, so not giving up much through the air. Um, But, you know, the Cowboys also were pretty good against tight ends too, and we saw how, um, you know, George Kittle was able to get loose. So what could this mean for George Kittle this week? Well, last week against Cowboys, he caught all five of his targets. Um, four of those went for first downs, by the way. So he was a huge part of the 49ers' success on offense against the Cowboys. He had 95 yards. That's most yards he's had since week 16. Um, this season, he's done most of his damage versus zone coverage. And why am I pointing that out? Well, because it matters when you consider that the Eagles linebackers, they're in man coverage 85% or more of the time. So they're primarily in man coverage. So this could be something that, you know, maybe impacts George Kittle a little bit. Maybe it's a little tougher sledding for Kittle this time than it was last week. They have TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. Uh, Edwards ranks second in pass breakups second in um, reception percentage among linebackers. Kaiser White ranks third in pass breakups, 11th in reception percentage among linebackers. Both of these linebackers are in the top 50 in PFF's coverage grades among linebackers. I mention all the time, both Fred Warner and Greenlaw as well, they are in the top um, for coverage grades. So I believe Warner and Greenlaw are in like the, they're both in like the top 15 among 
linebackers in coverage. Uh, but Eagles linebackers aren't a joke either, right? They're they're pretty good. And neither Edwards nor White has allowed a touchdown in their coverage this season. It's a long season, folks. Like the fact that they haven't allowed a touchdown, I think again speaks to how solid they are. So again, maybe it's a quieter game from George Kittle. And I'm not counting anything out, right? Because George Kittle is is a freak of nature. He's one of those players who can make something happen regardless of who he's going up against. But just something to keep in mind, most of George Kittle's impact is against zone. Eagles linebackers play against coverage, and they're pretty good at it. So wanted to point that out. And here again is another illustration of that. So we're looking at the reception percentage for these Eagles linebackers. And again, this is among only linebackers. So but you can see how good they are. Uh, TJ Edwards, second, tied for second, allowing 66.2% of catches to be caught in his coverage. And Kaiser White is 11th, um, allowing 73.6% of his catches or his targets to be caught in his coverage. So pretty, pretty good. All right. Not going to sugarcoat it. Let's look at their corners because their corners are also very solid. They got James Bradbury and Darius Slay, probably the best corner tandem in the entire league. This is what I imagine that if Traverius Ward and any Manny Mosley were healthy together, this is what I imagine the impact would be for the 49ers defense. That's in, and maybe the, these corners for the Eagles are on a different level. James Bradbury only allowing 45.1% of his receptions uh, to be caught, the ones that are in his coverage. That is third among all corners. Um, he's also tied for first and forced incompletions among corners, third in pass breakups among corners. Darius Slay allowing 544 percent of his targets to be caught that is 20th among all corners he is tied for 16th in pass breakups so Darius Slate Bradbury very good Bradbury's probably like the the better of the two that being said they're both very very good they also have uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who is their free safety, but he does move to the slot on nickel downs. So um, he allows 77.6% uh, of his targets to be caught in his coverage. Now, this could be either like inflated because he also plays at safety, so these numbers don't take into account um, him only playing corner. This is just in general, uh, what Gardner Johnson is allowing both as a corner and a safety. Uh, so keep that in mind, but yeah, I mean, these corners are going to be tough to, uh, throw to as well. I will say though, that I, I have some, I have some hope, you know, I, I, I feel good about one thing in particular against these corners. It is that the, these Eagles corners, they're in zone about 60% of the time. So more often than not, they're going to be in zone. Debo Samuel is one of the better wide receivers in zone coverage. I mean, you see here, what I have is his numbers in zone coverage specifically. He is eighth in um, in receiving grade versus 
versus uh, Zome. He has 598 yards against Zone. Keep in mind, Debo Samuel has 810 total yards on the season. That is including postseason. 810 total yards because he missed several games, right? So nearly 600. He's two yards away from 600, right? Nearly 600 of those yards have come against zone coverage. So that is where Debo Samuel is most dangerous. And if the Eagles corners are going to be playing zone against this 49ers team, enter Debo Samuel. I feel like this could be a good game for him. And check this out. Look at how many yards he has and look at the yak it, it to the to the far right. 479 yak yards in zone coverage. That is like almost <laughs> that is almost all of his yards come from uh from the zone and you know yak is what he's able to get because he's able to find those soft spots and when he's in space we know how good he is um you know getting extra yards so i think that's all it is for debo and that's why i think this could be a big game for debo and he's been like you know he's getting passes here and there but kind of quiet right like it, it's not what we're it's not like last year's debo I think this year or or this in this game, it could be a good game for him against these Eagles corners, potentially, if they are going to be playing some zone. All right. Brandon Ayuk versus zone uh, is it's a little different. All right. Because Ayuk is different, is better at different things than Debo is. So he has more touchdowns versus man, which isn't very surprising because Ayuk can cook a single man and, you know, get a touchdown, especially in the red zone, right? Like that's, that's where Ayuk has really been able to cook guys and get open, um, have them guarding air, but he has more yards versus zone. And again, maybe that's not really surprising because get them in space and maybe get some extra yards after that. And so he has 658 yards against zone. He has five touchdowns versus man. Um, lately though, he's been, you know, quieter you know these last few games against Arizona he had 59 yards against Seattle 73 last week against Dallas he had 20 26 uh but you know what I'm not worried about it his impact is more so when he makes those catches I think similar to Kittle I mean he's one of those guys that you look to throw to when chips are down it's it's third and long or something like that keep a Keep an eye on this final column here, the first. Um, that indicates how many first downs were converted with Brandon Ayuk. So you'll see in week 16, two, two plays were first downs. Um, in week 17, eight of his catch, eight of, of his nine catches went for first downs. Against Arizona, three of his four catches went for first downs. Against Seattle, all three of his catches went for first downs. Against Dallas, all two of his receptions went for first downs. So it's not just about the yards that he's getting, you know. So don't don't make a big stink about him not getting a lot of yards. It's how he's getting those yards, at what point in the game is he getting those yards. And, of course, we see that he's a big part of converting, uh, you know, third downs and, and getting those first downs, moving the chains. So Brandon Ayuk, he's, he's been great at that. I would not expect that 
to to stop anytime soon. Let's look at these Eagle safeties. All right, they have Marcus Epps, who's allowing a 77.6 percentage uh, reception. Uh, so 77.6% of his targets are caught in his coverage. That is 22nd worst among safeties. Um, he's given up 19th most yak yards among safeties. Another thing to keep in mind, right? We're talking about Debo. We're talking about how some of these playmakers on this 49ers team are so good after the catch. Well, you know, that's one guy you can potentially uh, exploit. Uh, he's, Seventh in forced incompletions, though. He has six. Um, he's tied for sixth in pass breakups with five. And he's also tied for third for most touchdowns allowed with five. So what's my take on Marcus Epps is he's probably a, a very aggressive um, player. So sometimes that leads to big plays for the offense, but sometimes it leads to big plays for him. Case point, the forced incompletions, the pass breakups, um, and things like that. So, and then the the other safety who I mentioned a little bit ago, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, all right, also allowing the same uh, reception percentage as Epps. Um, again, that's twenty second, tied for twenty second worst among safeties. He has six interceptions though, which is tied for first among safeties. So talented player. Uh, tied for 10th for most touchdowns allowed with four safeties. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough uh, to kind of, you know, gauge how good they are with stats, right? You kind of got to watch them play one thing, you know, Emmanuel Acho, I don't like him for much of anything, but he made a great point And I watched a video that he posted earlier. Acho said that, the way that the 49ers can attack the Eagles secondary is through the safeties and not more so uh, more so on like the angles that they take manipulating like the angles that they would take. Um, and so he, he showed a clip of them not taking great angles and that leading to big plays for opposing offenses. And so that could be something that I'm sure Kyle Shanahan has noticed as well. So could be something in this game. I I feel like Kyle Shanahan won't be afraid to target these safeties. Um, and so something to keep an eye on. Reed Blankenship is their other safety. And I only mention him because he, he plays safety on nickel down. So any other time he's not on the field, um, but he's tied for first in forced incompletion percentage or or rate and it's because like he has three forced incompletions but again he's only on the field on nickel down so he's not out there very often so the rate at which he's getting forced incompletions is is pretty big so those are the eagle safeties but let's uh let's take a look at their run defense all right because this is what we all kind of wonder about with any team we're going up against on the ground, they're allowing an average of nearly 20 carries to running backs, 88.5 yards, 4.45 average yards per carry, and a you know good chance at a touchdown uh, to opposing teams' running backs per game. They've allowed 13 touchdowns on the ground. So something to keep an eye on if the 49ers you know, do get to the red zone, maybe they would be susceptible to a touchdown on the ground since the Eagles defense, they've allowed 13 
that's a pretty big amount um, compared to other teams that I've done these previews for. Through the air, they're allowing an average of nearly five catches, 32 yards, and you know, 0.17 touchdowns. So not a good chance at a touchdown through the air for a running back, but um, some pretty good involvement. Otherwise, they rank 24th in DVOA covering running backs. And so this is kind of what we are wanting to see because maybe this could be a game where Christian McCaffrey has a better outing than he did against the Cowboys. The Cowboys better against the run than this Eagles team, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I think could be a Christian McCaffrey game, could be a Elijah Mitchell game. What's going on, Paul? Make sure you guys check out Paul's channel. He's always got some great content going as well. Of course, we can't get enough of 49ers content, especially during the playoffs. Um, so let's look at Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, what they did last week, right? I mean, bit of a, you know, quieter game for these two, but that's okay. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had 10 carries, 35 yards, still good for 3.5 average. He also had a touchdown uh, through the ground. Six catches as well, 22 yards. Elijah Mitchell, he got a next-gen stats rushing chart because he had – uh, more carries. He had 14 carries, 51 yards, good for a 4.3 average. So pretty, you know, pretty decent outing for these two, quieter than what we're used to, of course. But especially in that second half with Elijah Mitchell, I think that's really when things started getting going for this run game because at that point, you know, the Cowboys were starting to wear down. Can we expect that the Eagles defense would wear down in this game? I don't know because they're also very physical, just like the 49ers are. And so they play a very similar brand of football on both sides of the ball as the 49ers. So they're going to be tough there, you know, throughout the game. I don't see them wearing, wearing off as the game goes on. But given that this is the one weakness of the weakness, if you want to call it that, of the Eagles' defense. You know, look at the bottom two rows here, 16th in rushing yards allowed per game, 24th in rushing yards per carry allowed. I mean, when you look at that, it, it kind of gives you some hope that the running game for the 49ers could uh, make some strides here. I also feel like, and, and I'm putting my conspiracy hat on for a sec, I also feel like maybe, just maybe, Kyle Shanahan is like, I'm saving the run because he didn't run that much against the Cowboys in in part because the Cowboys defense was kind of stopping it early. But I feel like he could have done a little bit more, been a little more creative with it. He played a pretty conservative game against the Cowboys. I feel like he's just saving some things for this game against this defense because he knows that it's going to be the toughest that they face. And hey, like maybe... Maybe he, he's got some things up his sleeve, you know, uh, for these running backs. So something to keep an eye on. I don't know. That's just my hope, right? <laughs> That's my hope. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, Brock Purdy, though, this is the key to the 49ers' success, though, still. Brock Purdy, um, you know, aside from keeping him uh, upright and, and protecting him, you know, he's he's going to be able or he's going to have to make some plays. And I was encouraged by what I saw, how he played against Dallas, because 
yeah, you're like, well, he didn't have any touchdowns and he, he only had 214 yards. Like that's not a lot stuff. Well, he also didn't throw any interceptions. He didn't make any mistakes. Uh, I thought it was a solid game from Brock. All things considered in the first half, he was 12 of 19, 129 yards. Second half, 7 of 10, 85 yards. And the best part about what Brock did, he just he did what he needed to do. And what I mean by that is he kept the team on the field. He finished 8 of 11 on third downs, 64 yards on third down. He he did what he needed to do. He he was in command of the offense. He didn't try to do too much. You know, he just he did what he needed to do, gave what the defense uh, or took what the defense gave him. And uh, I thought that was a good sign because that's kind of exactly what the 49ers needed out of Brock in this game. So I was encouraged by the performance um, for Brock. And another note, like I saw this tweet, Eagles have allowed a first down on third and seven plus a league low 17 times this season. So a big, big key for the 49ers don't get in those third and long situations. One way to avoid third and long situations is avoid penalties because penalties are easy way to get to those third and longs. Also avoid sacks, which is easier said than done. Right. But that's a big key for this game. And finally, I'm at this point key of the game for the 49ers offense. And I'm going to be real with you. It's the same exact keys of the game that I had for last week, because I think they still apply, especially more so against this Eagles defense, protect Brock Purdy. That That is the biggest key of all. If you do that first and foremost, good things will happen, all right? So protect Brock Purdy, keep him upright. Um, I was encouraged by how the offensive line did against the Cowboys' defensive line, considering that the Cowboys, are their defensive line is very good. Um, so I'm encouraged, but it's going to be tougher against the Eagles. So keep... Brock Purdy upright. Look, the Eagles are going to get some sacks. They are. I mean, it's going to happen. This is, it's their game. It's what they do. So they're going to give up some. That's okay. We can live with a couple, right? The, the, uh, the Cowboys had two sacks against uh, the 49ers last week. They, we can live with that. But you can't let it snowball um, and you can't let it, um, impact your your ability to stay on the field right because as I mentioned if you get in those third and long situations more often than not it's not going to work out for you so it's kind of a trickle it down effect if you protect Brock good things will happen it's a chain reaction all right so for Brock one thing that he can do to make it easier for himself and one thing that you know Kyle also can do um, is get the ball out quickly right and I think that they can do that. Kyle Shanahan, I think, can can scheme up some some quick throws for Brock to hit an outlet receiver. You know, get Christian McCaffrey as your check down option. Um, get some quick screens going. I know that the the 49ers did attempt a screen against the Cowboys. It just it there wasn't a lot of success on that one. Could be the same against the Eagles, but you got to try it, right? You got to just see what they how they defend it. Um, and so get the ball out quickly, some quick slants and things like that. That's where I think like Debo Samuel, um, again, could have a good game, uh, attack those soft zones and get the ball out quickly. 
limit mistakes and turnovers. So if you do the first one, if you t- protect Brock, there's a better chance of, you know, limiting the turnovers. Again, I was encouraged by the way that Brock Purdy played against the Cowboys defense. So it showed me that he's capable, right? He's he's for sure capable of taking care of the football, and he's done a great job at it in all of the starts that he's had with the 49ers. Um, but it's going to be different this time only because hostile environment, crowd's going to be rooting against you this time. Um, in these last few games, the Niners haven't had to deal with that. Brock hasn't really had to deal with that. Last time he dealt with it was in Seattle against the Seahawks. But this might be different, right? It might be a little louder. I mean, it's playoffs. The Eagles crowd, you know, Debo probably got the Eagles crowd fired up, all right? So <laughs> if they're really loud, blame Debo because he is like, our our uh, our fans are louder. Um, so you know that crowd is going to go crazy um, on Sunday, try to get Brock out of his element. That's what everyone tries to do, right? Brock is like the low-hanging fruit that defenses say, this is where we can attack the 49ers. This is where they're vulnerable. But then come to find out, like, he's not – he still gets the job done. Like, he's he's still been solid. So I don't know if that's the way to attack the 49ers. But I guess – I guess that's the easiest, quote-unquote, easiest way. Um, but, yeah, this – his 49ers team has to do Brock favors to keep him upright, make sure that he can execute the game plan as best possible – and, you know, getting the ball out quickly and all, sorry, protecting Brock also comes with, you know, maybe get the run game going, keep some pressure off of Brock, get those runs to set up the pass. It'll be easier said than done, of course, but I think that would be a good way to settle in, um, quiet the crowd a little bit, get some nice runs going. Ty says, who's going to protect the Eagles from Brock? Well, I mean, the offensive line, right? And we talked about it earlier, this uh, 49ers offensive line. They did pretty good. Like, I was encouraged by how they played against the Cowboys. This is going to be a different beast, of course. The biggest issue or the biggest concern is Mike McGlinchey because they're probably going to try to attack him. He had five pressures and five hurries he gave up against the Cowboys. He was going up against Micah Parsons, uh, Demarcus Lawrence much of the day, so... That's what led to that. But, yeah, it's going to be a a full team effort, you know, to to protect Purdy in this game. But there's different ways to do that. It's not just about the offensive line. If you can get the ball out quickly, that makes it easier for um, the, the pass rush to get to Brock. So I think there are some things they can do to, to work around that. Yeah, see, Ty said uh, 49ers did attempt a few screens versus the Cowboys. They got blown up. Yes, they they did. So they're going to have to figure out a way to – they'll have to try it against the Eagles and just see how it works. But, yeah, there's a, there's a chance against this Eagles defense as well that screens also get blown up. Um, but you got to try it and, you know, it, abort if it doesn't work. Ty says – Philly crowd is always crazy. Indeed it is. Yeah. I don't know why uh, Debo went poking that bear, but he did. Uh, Yeah. JC, what's going on, man? Appreciate you. Make sure you guys like this video if you have not yet. Oregon Life says limit turnovers is also a huge concern, but Purdy has been great with that already. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, limiting turnovers is always, especially in the playoffs, a thing to do because 
when the games are when, when the teams you're playing against are this good, the margin of error is so much lower. And I would say against the Eagles, there is no margin of error. There there just can't be any errors um, against this Eagles team because they are so good. They're gonna make you pay for it. So, but I'm encouraged. Yeah, I'm encouraged by what Brock Purdy has been able to do. Everyone else also has to make sure they take care of the football as well. So I think it'll be a, a good, tough battle. Um, Ty says, I meant Brock is going to flex on them. The Eagles will need protection. Oh, damn. Okay, you're going like that. So Ty says, the Eagles need protection from Brock Purdy. It's like that. All right. <laughs> Oregon Life says, Eagles had, what, 70 sacks? Jesus, that's a godly number. Definitely a scary D. And what's crazy is not just the number. It's the sack percentage as well. Like, I was th- – they're first in sack sack rate and the next best team is at like 8%. The Eagles are at 11. So not only like just increment incrementally better than the team below them, but just that like several percents better. Um, and so, yes, they're, they're very good. Several guys on their defensive line have five plus 10 plus sacks. So something to keep an eye on. Um, Paul says, make sure to sub to the channel. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Yeah, make sure you guys subscribe if you haven't yet. I have more shows coming later today. I'm doing a a, a triple triple header today. I mean, this is the first of many shows that I'm having. I'm having Chase Sr. on, who covers both the 49ers and the Eagles later today. And I have Grant Cohn also later today. Uh, and we're going to talk about Kyle Shanahan and what we can expect from him in this game Uh <laughs> Ty says, make sure you guys might go for that like button. Uh, appreciate it, Paul. All right, guys. Well, I got to get to work. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate you guys spending your Thursday morning with me. Uh, this has been fun. The I'll have my defense preview episode tomorrow. Um, and so look out for that. Have a good rest of your Thursday, people. Peace.